Ballet is a streaming site designed by former Pacific Northwest Ballet principal dancer Julie Tobiason. Ballet offers ballet classes for anyone at any level of training that you can do from the comfort of your home or studio. After many years performing as a professional ballerina and decades of teaching at all levels of ballet, Julie is excited to offer her training for more people like you. Classes are designed for large and small spaces and for all levels. The low monthly membership fee is less than one in-person class and is accessible 24-7 with new classes added every month. Ballybird is a great addition to your regular in-studio training as well. Take advantage of the 10-day free trial and use the discount code COD25 to get 25% off through June 30th, 2023 at Ballybird.com. Whether you are just starting your ballet journey today or you're a seasoned professional, Ballybird is the place for you. Visit Ballybird.com or click the link in the show notes. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Sean Breeden. And you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Conversations on Dance. Today, we are sharing with you uh, the second and final installment of our June 2017 interview with Edward Valella. Um, If you missed the first part, it is back in our feed from last week, so be sure to tune into that. Uh, Today, we talk mostly with Edward about um, founding Miami City Ballet, and of course, we go on a few um, other tangents and discuss other things. Uh, So we hope you enjoy this episode. Um, There are going to be more re-releases from the early archives of the podcast coming soon. So be sure to subscribe um, to Conversations on Dance so that you will get notified of new episodes. If you enjoyed today, we hope that you will uh, take a moment to write us a review uh, wherever you listen to your podcasts. So we love you all so much for listening. Enjoy. You've already mentioned how your experiences at New York City Ballet or seeing the way the Balanchine worked or dancing his work started to form 
ideas in your head about what would later be your uh, artistic directorship vision, um, or it informed how you would later direct. Um, at what point did you start to know that that was in the cards for you and felt like something that you wanted to do? Uh, early on, uh, I, I understood that as I was going around, I was being helpful. And I wanted to continue that. Certainly, I continued it with uh, uh, television and and all of that stuff. But for me, having stopped dancing, I was now going around and coaching my roles. And as I was doing that, I would get to these places, and they were fairly sophisticated places. Um, the knowledge was not available. Uh, it was, again, this kind of idea that technique was primary and the rest of it didn't matter. And I, th that's a little tough to say, but that was my experience. Um, so I, I began to, to realize that, that this was uh, a bigger problem than I thought. And I, I don't mean... Uh, the, the, the New York City Ballet, uh, ABT, San Francisco, companies of that ilk uh, have had their experiences, their backgrounds, and so on. Uh, but I'm talking about the next level, mm -hmm. just below that. Uh, uh, and, I, and I'm concerned about artistic directorship in relation to that, but certainly boards. And, and boards are very complicated, very complicated circumstance. Uh, I had, I had wonderful uh, experience. I was uh, on the, the board of the, uh, the School of American Ballet for golly, I mean, decades, absolute decades. And those, uh, uh, Meetings were run by Lincoln Kirstein, a brilliant, brilliant man, and he put all of those people together. Mm -hmm. So I was used to boards that had awarenesses and knowledges and so on, and I got to know a lot of those people. And those were not the kinds of people that would be attracted to, say, the Aglevsky Valley, where I first started to direct, or Oklahoma Valley, where I started to direct. However, as time was going by, uh, it came to me that all of this stuff is similar. It's just that the sophistication is different. New York is New York. New York is not Miami. Miami likes to think it's New York. <laughs> Guys, I'm here to tell you <laughs> that is not exactly the circumstance. Uh, Florida is a terrific place. But uh, when I got off the plane, I ran into people I knew, and they said, what the hell are you doing here? And I'd say, well, I'm going to make a company. And they said, what? This is a cultural wasteland, a self proclaimed <laughs> and 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 so i i then understood what by further 
challenge would be, which is to build an audience. There was not a neoclassical audience available. Uh, and, and it was ABT that came down. They came down once a year and they would do Sleeping Beauty and Giselle and, and, and all of those, those other things. So there was no way that I could just put stuff up on the stage and everybody would understand it. And that's when I started to speak before the performance. And it, it gave me the opportunity to talk about the works, but also then to open for 10, 15 minutes of questions. So again, I, I could give them firsthand uh, indication and hint. Look for this. Look for that. Um, so I, I understood what I what was ahead of me. And I also said to myself that in order to do what I wanted to do, which was uh, to look after the ballets that had looked after me, it's, it's a debt. I owe a debt to the field, to the ballet, to the company, New York City Ballet, to Balanchine, Robbins, Kirstein, Stravinsky, all of those people. So to, to have that debt to those people uh, suggests uh, this is not going to be easy. It's not going to be easy. But I vowed that I would not take shortcuts to anything. Uh, and I started to estimate how much time it would take. And I understood uh, 20 years would, would be a minimum. And it essentially took 25 years for us to get to Paris and receive the reception that uh, the Parisians gave us. Uh, I, I was, uh, quite frankly, a little concerned because the repertoire that we were bringing was not the Paris Opera. And I thought that that's what these French people would be doing is uh, uh, looking at us through the eyes of looking at the Paris Opera. But uh, opening night, first ballet, square dance, standing, screaming, ovation. I relaxed. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I will tell you that uh, I was standing in, in the aisle after the curtain had come down and now it's the intermission and suddenly somebody comes running down the aisle screaming at me. And it was somebody from Miami who had seen us for 25 years. And this person started to give me hell and started saying, where are the tunes? Where are this? Where, where are the girls with the hats? And where are the... This person had mixed up square dance with Western <laughs> That's why I suggest more education. <laughs> oh, I, I mean, obviously, that was such a special moment for us to be a part of um, that three-week tour where we performed at the Châtelet in Paris. Um, and I think that something that was so meaningful was that a work like Square Dance, which is m merely, in quotes, beautiful and, and um, 
it's presentational, but it's not for today's 21st century audience. It's not going to, it's not over the top. It's not going to lure you in with tons of tricks. And the way that they received it was as if they had just seen the most incredible thing of their life, even after the first movement, the applause, right? So I feel like um, that we did something right. <laughs> but what do you think about that tour was so special? Why did that all come together so well? Well, it was interesting to do interviews. And I I did maybe 40-odd interviews. And every first question was, how did you make them dance that way? <laughs> and I, I, I found that fascinating because it suggested that our approach, our style, was different. Mm-hmm. And it was clear if they were standing and clapping, <laughs> it said that, that we had reached them. And as you indicated, that uh, uh, after the first movement, applause arrived. Um, and, and that was a shock to me. I, I just, a very pleasant one. And then as, as the days went by, three weeks of this, and we did almost 97% business. That is unbelievable. That is just unbelievable. And almost standing ovation after almost every bowing. Right. So we were doing something right, and we were showing something. And what I was hoping was we were showing this American uh, approach to this stuff. It was certainly uh, Balanchine Robbins, but we had Paul Taylor. We had, you know, we had an array of of work that for me was terrifically entertaining. I was just hoping that that audience would feel moved and entertained, and apparently they were. Mm-hmm. It's. I love that you brought that up. That you had the exact same concern about all of us. You should have you can imagine the chatter in the dressing room like i mean they're gonna expect us to be paris opera ballet but i think ultimately we all were on the same page of committing to what we knew and loved and show showcasing that and it it worked so we were really grateful for that one thing that i think when i watch miami city valley and when i joined the company is that there is something very specific about the people that you brought together They're not only the way that they dance, but also the kind of people that they are. They're all very open and gregarious and outgoing. Um, So we wanted to talk to you about that and how you pick dancers for your company and how you hired and why that was important to you. And if you do think that was an element that was so successful in Paris. I had thought uh, for a long, long time uh, that an ongoing positive approach to the field would help move it forward. And I thought that the best thing to have would be compatible human beings. Compatible human beings who were passionate about the world, but beyond that, to learn. 
uh, not everybody wants to learn. There are a lot of people who think, I know as much as I need to know. And, and that's foolish, because you will never learn enough to know everything. <laughs> it's, and and it, it goes on, it's infinite. It, it's never going to stop that way. So I, I, I hope that there is a little more, um, I don't know. I, I don't want to say that uh, we were showing the world. I was showing myself. I wanted to find out if I could make a company with the Balanchine-Stravinsky legacy and do it with the masters gone. Because I go around and I watch the work that they had done and they begin to dissipate. Uh, I I went someplace and uh, they were uh, doing prodigal. Uh, Elise Bourne had staged the ballet. I come in, I take a look at it. There is absolutely no detail whatsoever. And a work like that is all detail. You, you have to understand that. So I, I got very, very concerned, and I thought this is a whole other era that we are in, and these ballets are dissipating. They are going away, and, and some of them, I mean, Jules, Prodigal, Apollo, just those old works, and what about the rest that are, are coming along? They're, they're going away, and the people now who are staging this stuff, uh, some of them never knew Balanchine, were never exposed to Balanchine, and there are very few of us left to make comment. So uh, how do you think that the next generation of people who will be caring for Balanchine's ballets should approach um, that task? Since they didn't know him personally, how can our generation best um, utilize the tools that we do have since we won't have that firsthand information? Well, it, it's it's a little complicated. Uh, uh, for instance, uh, people like myself or Patty McBride or way back when, Violet Verdi and so on, we were never asked to come and help and support and explain what it was like while Balanchine was uh, working with us. I started very early on to to bring Allegra Kent down. She was the first person I brought. And then, of course, there was uh, Violette Patty and Suzanne uh, Farrell. Um, um, they have all of this history, all of this stuff that Balanchine talked about, passing art form, body to body, mind to mind. And that is the thing that I would say to uh, this new generation of folk. It's body to body, but mind to mind. What do you have in your mind in relation to each one of these ballots? 
And then I believe it would be incumbent upon those people to continue to look into this stuff and be fully prepared, not just to sit in front of a video and memorize the gestures. Why? Why is the critical issue? Why did he do it that way? Why did he do this? Why did he do that? Where does this come from? I mean, for uh, for him to take me aside and start talking to me about Apollo and and uh, eagles and matadors and mm-hmm. chariot drivers and soccer players and bicycle riders and oh my god, uh, you know, think of the richness of that. And somebody once said to me as I was about to undertake Apollo, said, don't dance it like Mrs. Frankenstein. (laughs) And that was a Balanchinian phrase. (laughs) So it's, uh, it's interesting to get behind all of this stuff. And you see what is there, which is not necessarily there on stage. I was just going to ask you if that was something that you considered when you brought in these people like Patty and Violette um, to work with us at Miami City Ballet, that not only were they informing another generation of dancers, but they were informing the future generation of coaches and the people who will be taking care of these ballets. Is that something you considered as well? Absolutely. You know, I, 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 am, I am so grateful. You know, I, I lost so much time. And uh, I thought at one point I would never dance. Uh, and and that that uh, I, was a devastating thought and idea. I mean, I I fought for this stuff like crazy. Um, so we 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 have to have this kind of enthusiasm to see what else is there, what else is available. Uh, who knows? in those two pas de deux in the Stravinsky Violin Concerto, that those two pas de deux are representing um, Stravinsky thinking about the pain his soon-to-be ex-wife was dealing with. And there it was represented in music and then provided the choreography by Balachin. Uh, I mean, these are... These are very, very important. And it's it's not that difficult to find these things out. Mm-hmm. You've got to talk amongst each other. You've got to exchange. You've got to, um, you know, read old reviews, read uh, Arlene Croce, and read those, those times when these brilliant people were writing about it. How many people are reading Arlene Croce? I'm the biggest Arlene Croce fan you'll meet, so I'm glad you, at, least one. <laughs> at least one here. Um, and I love that you brought this up, and I think it goes back to your instinct for um, hiring dancers because you know you know us in the studio. You don't, you might not know us so well outside of that, but I can tell you firsthand that that's exactly the kind of people you hired—the people who were hungry for the information and who 
did seek that out, who are going to go to the New York Public Library and watch Balancing Foundation coaching videos. And that's what drove us. I think, um, and you, you know, having talked about the sort of downfalls of living in Florida, I think that being there actually, we all were so focused on just the company and creating art. So um, you definitely had a knack for picking people who were want, wanting to to um, be a part of what you were offering. Well, I I had the great advantage of growing up under under Balanchine and watching what he did and how he cast and all of those things. Um, uh, and and I have probably instincts. Uh, and uh, if I didn't have those instincts, if I if I wasn't comfortable in uh, allowing my body to speak and or sing. You know, you, you have to have a whole other kind of sense of what movement is. It speaks. And what do you want to say? And, and, and my, my thought and idea was that I wanted a company that could dance the way the geniuses choreographed. That, that's a whole other other world there are other worlds out there you 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 can't just do steps and uh you know you go around and now there are these schools with um competition schools uh they concern me a great deal because a lot of that is uh people who are doing things far too young and it's it's too easy to take those very delicate bodies and 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 challenge them beyond their abilities it's a very you you have to take the time it takes time to do this you have to have patience to do it. since 2013 bombus has donated over 100 million socks underwear and t-shirts to those facing homelessness if we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So you famously told us many times, and I know you've told audience members from for many, many years, that you always wanted to create in Miami City Ballet a company that you wanted to dance in. Um, why was that so important to you? Well, uh, I grew up a long, long time ago. And way, way back, uh, as a kid, I would read about uh, 
the ballet ruse and so on. And as time was going by, I would meet people who way, way back uh, would talk about the, the ballet ruse and how dancers were treated. And I had been through so much of that, watching how dancers were being treated when I was growing up. Um, so I, I wanted very much to deal with uh, the Balanchinian stuff, but also that dancers are the company. So obviously there were uh, inherent challenges in running the Miami City Ballet from board members to uh, the culture of Florida, but to have grown the company into a major worldwide player in 25 years, some elements had to have been uh, on your side. What do you think um, those key things were that helped aid you in, in getting the company to its uh, such a prestigious place? The dancers. Because without the dancers, you know, it, it doesn't operate, it doesn't work. But the other part of it is what I was suggesting to you guys, you showed us on stage. So that was really a critical issue. Another issue was that I ended up getting us four venues because those four venues allowed us to have five casts because we could divvy that out over four different theaters. And what what moves a company, certainly rehearsals, classes, information, all of those things, but what really moves a company is performing. You perform, when that curtain goes up, under combat conditions. Okay. And this book I'm going to attempt, I said, you know, I, I've got to have themes and thoughts and ideas. And I looked back and I said, well, who are you? Well, uh, I was uh, a ballet dancer, but I was also an athlete. Also, I was military. And as I began to think about all of these things, there were so many similarities between each of those areas of my life. So many similarities. And, and it works. It absolutely works. I mean, what, what I was interested in was making a team. I wanted us all to be team players. And to speak a physical language without accent so it is clear no fanciful thought and idea all of this stuff comes from somewhere and with Balanchine his steps come from something else he always did that didn't tell you about it, but that's what he did. 
So as an artistic director, you have so your job encompasses so many things, like you mentioned, budget and programming and all these also very um, business oriented sides of the art form. And as dancers, we're trained our whole lives to be dancers. And then suddenly there's all these different responsibilities. So I wonder how much you feel your um, college education helped you and aided you in these other facets of the art form. Well, uh, college is a very, very interesting uh, thought on idea, and especially today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, <laughs> uh, college seems to be like a big party. <laughs> yeah. uh, I went to a military school. Not too many parties <laughs> in that school. But, but the other side of it was that I basically was taking two full uh, uh, courses at the same time. I was taking a degree course, but I was also taking a military course. I had uh, up to 29 credits uh, uh, um, semester. That's insane. Wow. It, it was unbelievable. Plus, uh, we had military things that we had to do. We had to stay and watch. Oh my God! We had to we had to go to to school uh, during the summer. We'd go off um, on uh, six weeks, go to on our own ship, which we had to run to Europe. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it it was something that really expanded my thought, my idea, how to learn. Oh my golly, how to learn all of those things. Uh, and and to learn things that um, I was determined not to do. I was not going to go to sea. Uh, I really wanted to be to be a dancer, but you take on responsibility and you'd be surprised how much you learned. Um, so for me, that was key. Uh, I've always thought that Miami City Ballet, um, in regards to repertoire, we did something that made us unique. And now, if you notice, a lot of the companies, the rep starts to bleed together. It kind of feels like everyone's doing the same thing. But you had a focus. And I'm wondering what drove your decisions when you would acquire new pieces, pick out old works to revive, and um, just in general, what your thoughts on um, producing repertoire for the company were. When, when I first started... Uh, it was just a question of how many balance sheet works I could get that we might be able to uh, achieve in, in first year, second year, third year, and so on. Five years of programming I did before we opened because I knew where we wanted to go. I knew there were small balance sheet ballets, middle balance sheet ballets, and so I, I could continue this kind of planning thought and idea. So I never stopped planning. And I used to do five-year rolling plans. And what I would do by the second, third year, I'd go in and look at the plan. And for the most part, we were ahead of ourselves. So I would redo that three-year plan before it got to be a five-year plan, and start another one. So 
we we were constantly seeking what was slightly beyond our grasps and that was part of the 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 thought with dancers challenge them slightly beyond their grasps because it's a progress you 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 want to progress with all of this stuff you you don't want to walk into a company and walk out the same way you you want more knowledge more uh, expertise and and so on so it it's this very very positive kind of thought and idea and the worst thing to do would be to offend you guys. <laughs> and it was easy to offend you, just keep you off stage. <laughs> You'd come and kill me. <laughs> so you did take the dancers then into account when you were looking at this programming, if it would be fun to dance, a good... Oh, ab- ab- absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. The, the, see, the, I, I used to say we're all in this together. And I, I really meant that. Because, you know, if, if I didn't have a relationship with you guys and that relationship got to the point where you trusted me, that's a, that's a big deal. And it's not an easy thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do with very young minds. And the responsibility dealing with very young minds is monumental you are going to affect people for the rest of their lives. I think even in the face of the worst financial situations we could find ourselves in, there were these, it was almost like the universe would throw us so far in the other direction to kind of compensate for that. And one point that sticks out in my mind was when we had just lost orchestra, but then that same week, we went to New York City Center. It was the first time the company performed in Manhattan and, um, you know, blew everyone away. And it was for you, I think it would have been um, a homecoming that was almost 50 years in return because State Theater opened, what, 63-ish, right? Something around then. So it had been almost 50 years since you've been on that stage. You had so many memories. And then all of a sudden you're seeing this company that you raised from its infancy have this great success um what what did that feel like for you uh that was uh i i felt like i had accomplished you know that that's that's what we wish to do is accomplish and contribute and i felt that i had contributed and we had accomplished and I always felt that that success was sure for me I was focused it's where I came from and 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 all of that but uh, it's the whole company you know everybody participated um, Paris I mean just the idea that we brought two tables and three physiotherapists (laughs) and you could have 15 minutes at a time. We had one injury that whole time. Yeah. (laughs) That was it. Uh Opening night. So little things like that, that, that you, 
you know, I, I remember what it was like mm-hmm. having two ballets, three ballets, and uh, to be dancing every night and doing all of those things. So, um, what what bothers me sometimes is uh, how people approach authority. And uh, authority is uh, very dangerous. It can be horrible. It can just be awful. So I tried to stay as close as I could to you guys. You know, I, I'm not perfect. No one is perfect. You, 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 you make mistakes. You do all kinds of, all kinds of things. But uh, my heart and mind was always there. My heart and mind was uh, based on thought. And I had thought about this for years. Um, one of the ways that you connected a lot with the dancers was making it a priority for you to be in the studio with us every single day. Uh, no matter what was going on, you always taught class every day. Um, and and you also, you could tell that you were really instilling a very specific um, style and intent in our dancing. So why was that something that you made a priority in your artistic directorship? I came from genius. I tried only to have masterwork. That's what that was my attempt uh, to dance at the highest level, to be challenged at the highest level. That's how it progresses. If you are given simple stuff for five years, what happens when the really tough stuff comes along? I tried uh, in the first seven years to stay as close to balancing as possible because it's the most difficult. And certainly uh, for a lot of you guys who had never been at SAB or who had never known a balancing uh, ballet and, and stuff like that, I, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a tough issue. And I wanted to get that done as quickly as possible. So that not only the people that I was dealing with, the 19 dancers that we, we, we started with, but, uh, the people who would be coming after those 19 that would become 25 and that would become 30. Uh, so it, it, it was an ongoing process about putting, uh, people in front of stuff they had never attempted before and i believe that 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 made us unique because we all spoke the same language with very little accent so um with talking we've talked a, a bit about um what starts to end up missing in the ballets and um how a certain performance is going to be affected by um only thinking from the outside, not inside through outside. Uh, what advice do you have for artistic directors of today? How can they sort of work on that issue and, and produce a product as um, fully realized as your own? Well, my, my thought is that uh, artistic directors... make it very difficult and complicated for themselves if they don't know the ballets they are producing. 
they are putting out there. You have to know that for casting, certainly, and so on. But uh, for the artistic director to come down and look at this stuff and digest it so that that responsibility is in the hands of that authority who then has the responsibility to look after it. There are many, many artistic directors who don't take interest in in their repertoire. How, how could you not? But I, I, I've seen it too often. And what I would suggest to artistic directors is don't stage it unless you can stage it. And if you can stage it, start doing it. Be involved. It's not just about ballet mistresses. And the problem with ballet mistresses, if you just leave them alone, they think they're running the whole damn thing. So you you have to stay with your hand on it and, and guide it. It's the whole thing. The whole thing is like that. It isn't, oh, well, we'll do this here, we'll do that there. It has to have this continuity. It has to have uh, the same language. So we've gotten some wonderful um, history from you today, and we're so grateful to have gotten to speak with you. But we have one last little segment for you that we do in all of our interviews. It's called the lightning round. So it's just a few quick questions, and you can just answer with the first thing that comes to mind. It's not scary. Don't worry. <laughs> so what was your favorite ballet to dance? Whoa. <laughs> That's very difficult. And, and the reason why I... I say that is because the repertoire was so extraordinary for me. But a work like, like Ruby's, I just adored and loved dancing it. The challenge of Apollo was extraordinary. Uh, the prodigal son, just unbelievable stuff. Oberon in a midsummer night's dream. I mean, these are just a few of these things that I'm, I'm, uh, checking off here. I was a lucky guy. I mean, I, I was very, very fortunate. So in that order, just <laughs> taking it out. Um, so what was your, what is your favorite ballet to coach now? Uh, well, uh, probably prodigal because it's, it's the least available. You know, it's, it's not, basic ballet steps. Uh, it's full of detail. It truly needs to be guided. If, if you try to do a work like Prodigal and you don't have a background to do it, uh, you're not going to be doing Prodigal. You'll be doing half of it. <laughs> you know, so um, it's, it's knowledge. That's that's what it is, and and people who can pass that knowledge on to you, and I always think uh, a company should be reflected, be reflected by its direction. What is your favorite correction to give? <laughs> Move. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> 
What ballet created after you retired would you most like to dance? Oh, there are a number of them. Uh, I mean, four temperaments I would love to have danced. If you could come back tomorrow and dance just one role, what would it be? <laughs> uh, probably rubies. Mm. So that's it for the whole talk. Thank you so much for joining us. That was so informative and personally pleasure. gratifying to hear everything you had to say. So the real pleasure was seeing you guys. <laughs> it was so great. Thank you so much, Edward. Conversations on Dance is a part of the Acast Creator Network. For more information, visit conversationsondancepodpod.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.